Great. That's it. How many of you are in the house today? <laughs> that is a trick question just to see if y'all are awake. Oh my gosh, it's really good to see you guys. Turn to your neighbor and tell them you are a well-loved child of God. Okay, now this time I want you to say it with passion. <laughs> you are a well-loved child of God, amen? Well, this month has, uh, has already been so impactful as we've been going through our series on Philippians, hasn't it? Uh, a few weeks ago, Pastor Mark taught us on the power of thanksgiving through trial. You know, we're, we're thankful through trial, not necessarily for the trial, right? But God is able to work out all things, say all things, for the good of those who love Him and have been called according to His purposes. And doing so, we can experience the joy of the Lord. Amen. Uh, we also jumped on to trusting the process by seeing the big picture that God's good work in us, it takes time, right? And, and God's timing isn't always our timing, but we can trust in God's timing. Last week, wasn't it good to see Pastor John in the house? Come on. And he gave a powerful word on being a strong church. And that is that we have gifts. You have gifts, I have gifts, and we bring that to the body of Christ and strengthen and edify each other. So that's how we can be a strong church. What a great word. It was so good to, to see him in the house. This week, we're going to be looking at the next section of uh, Philippians. We're not even through chapter one yet, and we're already getting so much out of it. So, um, And this is where Paul expresses his genuine love to the Philippian church and, and, and vice versa, and the reasons why. So the key to Paul's ability to endure and minister through hardship is the same key that enabled the Philippian church to be a strong church and to be an encouragement to Paul as well as each other. And that key is love. Say love. love. The key is love. Love is the foundation. It was the love of God that sent Jesus to die on the cross for our sins. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. Amen. Without, well, Matthew 22, this is what Jesus said. This is how foundational love is. The first two greatest commands are to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. And here's, here's one of my favorite parts is all of the law and the prophets hang on these two commands. So without love, following the rules is just religion, right? Following the rules is meaningless and fruitless. But if we do these first two commands well, the results kind of take care of themselves in, an, in a way. You know what I mean? So Paul loved God and he loved others and he demonstrated this love through his life and his ministry. It was the foundation that everything was built on. And I, my title today of my sermon is, What's Love Got to Do With It? Huh, so What's Love Got to Do With It? Everything. <laughs> Love's got everything to do with it. So today we're going to look at three insights from these two verses, uh, verse 7 uh, through 9. 
and we're going to see how we can apply them to our lives. So turn with me, if you have your Bibles, to Philippians chapter 1, verse 7 through 9. Welcome, if you're watching online. Here we go. You guys ready? Are you guys ready? Let's go. It is right for me to feel this way about all of you. Since I have you in my heart, and whether I'm in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight. So the first thing that we see as our first point is Paul's love for the church. Paul's love for the church. You may have heard this saying before. Um, I believe Pastor John has said it in many sermons. Is people don't care about what you know until they know that you care, right? And what's interesting about Paul and Philippian church's relationship, leader and follower, is that Paul, they, Paul knew, they knew Paul genuinely cared about them, right? And not only did that create a deep trust in them, in, in the congregation, that truth can be spoken, but also truth can be received. So people don't care about what you know until they know that you care, and in so doing, that creates an environment of safety to be able to speak some hard truth, and Paul certainly did that. So once people know that they're loved and cared for, cared for they are more receptive to receive what you know, kind of another way of saying that. And then a strong relationship is built. There's some examples in Scripture. You got King David, right, in the Old Testament. He built a strong, loving relationship with his mighty men. So much so that when he was going through something with his son Absalom and ousted him, he said, oh man, if I could just have a drink of water from the well in Bethlehem. His three top dogs broke through enemy lines and got him a cup of water from the well and brought it back to David. Now, why did they risk their lives? Love. They loved David because they knew David loved them. Why did all of Jesus' disciples, except for one, John, who lived to be, uh, to be an old man, why did all of them allow themselves to be martyred instead of renouncing their faith and living? And I'll just repent later kind of thing. Love, right? Paul loved the Philippians and they knew it, and therefore they loved him back. And we have a real-life example, don't we? We have Pastor John, who loves this church, who loves you guys. And I've been, I've been the recipient of so many of the phone calls where he's, he's praying with me and, and pouring out and, and just sharing wisdom. And I'm sure many of you have had these phone calls and that relationship with him because you know that he cares about you and he can speak hard truth to you, which he's done to me, certainly. And so I am thankful for that relationship uh, with that. Paul demonstrated the love command of Christ. As we read in John 13, 34 through 35, a new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Catch that. By this, your love for one another will be the greatest witness to the world that you belong to me. 
It's not your knowledge of Scripture. It's not your ability, ability to debate and to have all the accolades and all that kind of stuff, and, which is it's fine. It's good. But if it's not grounded in love, if it's not built upon the foundation of love, it's meaningless. And I'll show you in Scripture where it says that. 1 Corinthians 13, uh, verses 1 to 3. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but do not have love, say love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all the knowledge, and if I have faith that can move mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. See how important love is? What stuck out to me when I was reading this scripture, and this is kind of a little rabbit trail, so many of you who know me, I like rabbit trails. (laughs) Faith. How many in here have ever felt bad? I don't have enough faith. I don't feel like my, my faith is big enough, right? What this tells me is that even if you had faith to move mountains, if you didn't have love for God and love for others, it doesn't matter. So going back to what Jesus said in his, his first two greatest commandments, all of the law, everything hinges on those two. So if you do the love piece well, your faith will actually move mountains. You hear what I'm saying? You guys with me still? So, I'm a husband of 17 years this August, and a father, and if I want my marriage to be life-giving, as well as my relationship with my kids to be the same, I can't live with the philosophy, do as I say, and not as I do, right? Because I have the position, you got to do what I say. How many people have we experienced, like, I'm in a position of, of authority, like maybe in a husband, or a, a wife, or you know, a parent, but you, you don't see the integrity in the action. You just see them saying to do the things and it's not really making sense. You're like, mm, I don't really respect that. No, as a husband, as a father, as a leader in, in the ministries that I oversee, I've got to demonstrate the culture I want to see. I have to be the demonstration of love in my house if I am to, to, to have any influence that's going to be lasting. And that's going to that's gonna yield result. How my wife uh, hears, hears me or how, how she receives love is if I listen to her. Like, really listen. Don't just hear. Actually, really listen. And there may be times when I'm sitting there and I'm like, I know the answer to this problem. <laughs> and, and I want to tell you what the answer is. And I, I know how to fix this whole situation. And what it reminds me of, I don't know if any of you have ever seen that video of the nail on the woman's forehead. So it's this husband and wife, they're sitting on the couch, and they're both talking to each other, and she's all like, man, I just have so much pressure, like, here, and I'm feeling so much pain, and I I just don't know what it is, and the husband's just sitting there like, if you just took the nail out, it's not about the nail, Eric, whatever his name was, but it is, though, you know, I'm not saying she's like that, I'm getting in deep water now, it's okay, (laughs) But he's like, okay. She's like, would you just listen to me? And so he's like, okay. He'll sit there on the couch, and she's just like, 
I'm feeling the pressure. I'm feeling so much stress. I'm feeling all these problems. He's like, yeah, that must be difficult for you. She's like, it is. Thank you. And he was listening to her. That's a bit of extreme example. But you get my point, right? (laughs) My wife feels loved when I actually listen to her. And what that actually does, not just with my wife, but with other people, when I actually listen and care, they're more receptive to be like, hey, can I give you some advice? Can we talk about something really quick? Can I point something out? Is this making sense? The other part of the scripture, the last portion of verse 7 in Philippians 1 says, whether I am in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. So because Paul established this love, and he did the first two commandments really well, the loving leader to his followers, the followers were able to partake in the grace that was on his life. And let me explain. So Paul was an apostle. He was called by Jesus And it wasn't anything that he took upon himself. And as an apostle, he was spiritually gifted with a particular grace to lead and plant churches. It's just like a prophet has a particular grace to to prophesy, a pastor to lead a church, uh, teachers, evangelists, administrators. They're all gifted with a particular grace. We talked about the gifts last week to help edify and build up the church. In Paul's case, he was in a position of authority. So when people submit themselves, hear me now, when people submit themselves to the position of authority that God has placed in their life, it sets them up to receive favor and blessing from God through the grace that's on that person. Is that making sense? So it's kind of like a spillover. In Paul's situation, it's called an apostolic grace, and I have a quick definition for you. It's a divine favor bestowed by God upon those who receive and submit to the apostles' leadership. This favor is bestowed by the Holy Spirit. It can't be manufactured by any efforts. This grace that brings transformation to churches, turning trials into joy, poverty into prosperity, it fosters deep fellowship and dedication to God's will. Churches that come under apostolic leadership experience increased grace, faith, knowledge, love, sincerity, and abundance of resources. Does that sound like a good deal? Yeah? Coming up underneath the grace of authority in our lives in the church sets us up to receive, and they're able to impart this gift Paul told the church in Rome that he desired to visit them and impart some spiritual gifts so they could be established. God told Moses to stand Joshua up in front of the entire congregation so that he could impart a portion of his grace on him so that he could take over, right? This is what grace does. Grace establishes and empowers. Submission sets up impartation. This is why um, it's so important to be plugged into a loving church. And we're a loving church, amen? 
There's so much love in this house. And we have to be intentional with loving God and others no matter what we do. But it's even more important to come under the authority of leadership so that, that God has placed in your life, especially in the church, because the blessings come from the grace that's on that person. Let me touch on a, on a topic, because I know not all leadership and authority in our lives is, are, is great. And I think Pastor John talked about this last week, where you know, he had an example of a pastor that he didn't respect. But God convicted him, and he came underneath his leadership, and he ended up being blessed because of it, and God improved, or either he'll either improve or remove. Same thing happened with King David and Saul, right? David was anointed king as a teenager, yet Saul was still king. And he had so many opportunities to take, to take matters into his own hands and to expedite the call. But he said, I'm coming underneath his authority. I'm going to give it back to God's hands. That's what submission to authority is. This scripture can say it better than I can. First Peter chapter 5, five through, six, uh, 5 through 6, it says, in the same way, you who are younger, submit yourselves to your elders. All of you clothe yourselves with humility towards one another because God opposes the proud, but he shows favor to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand that he may lift you up in due time. How many of us in the room now are so tempted often to take matters into our own hands? Right? and expedite things. God's not moving fast enough. <laughs> but here's, here's the unique thing about humility. When we humble ourselves to each other, but also to the leadership in our lives, it places the timing in God's hands, and He can take care of it. He will exalt you in due time. It's much better to be exalted by God in due time than it is for you to exalt yourself. Amen? You're missing out on so much more blessing that God has for you when you take matters into your own hands. So that's why we trust the process of God's timing, what we talked about a couple weeks ago. That word opposes. Y'all still with me now? I'm a quiet crowd today. It's, all, it's fun. <laughs> You're making me work. <laughs> I am cab. That's right. It's my baby blues. I get it. I totally get it. I understand. <laughs> that word opposes, the Greek word means anti-teso. And what that word means, watch this. God opposes the proud. Opposes means God sets himself as in battle against the proud, defying beating down, exposing to contempt, and destroying them. He is so far from giving them more gifts that he'd rather spoil them as sworn enemies of what they have. So do you want God to oppose you? No, you do not. But here's the other thing. He shows favor. He shows kindness towards. That word grace shows favor and grace to the humble is charon. It means God freely extends himself, inclining himself toward because he's disposed to bless them. So when you take the position of humility, you're aligning yourself 
to receive favor from the Lord. He's inclined to bless you when he sees that you take on the humble position. Jesus did that. I don't want to jump ahead too far, but Philippians 2 talks about how, yeah, spoiler alert, (laughs) it talks about Jesus had the attitude of Christ. Although he was God, he did not consider equality with God, but he made himself a humble servant. The Son of God did not come to be served, but to serve. And he says the same way, as I have loved you, love one another. As I serve, you're watching what I'm doing, do as I do. He's our greatest example of that. And that's how we are to be with each other. Amen? Amen. So humility. Humility positions us to receive favor from God. Love puts justice in God's hands so that he can exalt us in due time. Humility enables us to be partakers of grace. And thankfully, Paul demonstrated this genuine love to Philippian church, and they demonstrated it back to him. This loving culture, being changed by the love of God, just created such an amazing environment. And I'm so excited because I really believe that as we get a hold of this, and we start to practice it more and more in our congregation with being intentional with building relationship, that our love is going to abound. And that is our third point, is abounding love. That last verse, it says, and this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight. So why does Paul start off saying, I pray your love would abound before knowledge and depth of insight. Why would he say that? Because knowledge puffs up, but love edifies. Knowledge and insight without love leads to pride and arrogance, and we've all just read what pride does, how God really feels about pride and arrogance. And as we read in 1 Corinthians 13, you can have all the knowledge, all the gifts, but if it's not built on the love of God, if it's not built on that foundation, it means nothing. It's like it's going to accomplish nothing. But to take this verse even further, what he's saying also is that we need knowledge. It has to start with love, but we need knowledge to abound towards one another. Discernment helps us to apply the knowledge. So, For instance, like if I don't know what you need, like if I don't have knowledge of your needs in life, I can't have the opportunity to love you well. If I don't have relationship, this could really be summed up in doing relationships well. We've got to build relationship with each other so that I can love you well, just like God called us to do. Amen? Amen. So, When we love God and one another, we're actually being obedient to God's commands as we shared earlier in John 13. So, and here are some scriptures as to why when we love, we're actually being obedient to God's commands. 1 John chapter 5, verse 2 and 3. By this we know that we love the children of God, and when we love God and obey His commandments, for this is the love of God that we keep his commandments. And his commandments are not burdensome. Romans 13, 8 through 10 says, 
Owe no one anything except to love each other. For the one who loves one another has filled, fulfilled the law. For the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet. Any other commandment are summed up in this word. You shall love the, your neighbor as yourself, right? So love does no wrong to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the, is the fulfillment of the law. One more verse. Hang in there with me. Matthew chapter 7, verse 12. So whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them. For this is the law and the prophets, right? So, some application here. Perhaps as we've been talking about the love, um, maybe you've been, you've been reminded on relationships that you have in your life that you're, you, you're not loving well, Right? And you're wondering, all right, how, how can I make this situation better? I know for me, it makes me think of like, ah, I shouldn't have said that. I shouldn't have responded that way. I should have, I should have and you should all over yourself, <laughs> as Pastor John often says. I am so thankful that it's not just my love, like we don't have the power in and of ourselves and our own human strengths to love the way God wants us to love. Amen? Amen. Romans 5.5 5 says, And hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. So if we're going to love well, church, we need the love of the Father to be poured into us. If we're going to love well, we need God love in us. I I forget the address of Scripture, but it says, no one can say that they love God yet hate their brother. You can't say that because if you have love of God in you, you're going to love others a lot better because it's not your love. It's not your power. It's the work of the Holy Spirit in you. Amen? As we talked about this humility piece, so we're going we're gonna to go to the Holy Spirit in a moment and just ask Him to fill us up with that love so that we can love well. And as we talk about humility, you might be convicted or reminded of a situation that you weren't humble, and you might need to, to take that position of humility because you don't want God to oppose you. You want the favor of God. How many of you in here want the favor of God on your life? Come on. There's breakthrough in favor. There's, there's healing in favor. He, like we said, he turns trials into triumph. He turns pain into joy. There's an abundance of resources. There's that apostolic grace. When we're in humility, grace is poured out. There's abundance of resources. We have a ministry called Family Needs Connection. Because we're a loving church, and because we have so many resources in here, we can bless and bless and bless to where nobody has need. Amen. That's so good. First John 3.16. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. So as we continue to demonstrate the love of Christ towards one another, let's really be intentional about 
building relationship with each other and doing that well. And how do we do that? We do that through connect groups. We do that through doing life together. You might be in here and you might be in the habit of just like, Sunday's my thing. Like, I'll just do church on Sunday, but I'm busy throughout. I'm doing my own thing there. I've experienced so much favor and love and breakthrough when I, when I do relationships outside of Sunday. When I go to the connect group, when I go to marriage group, and we talk about things, and, and then the power of God can be poured out into our hearts. And then there's, there's relationships, there's cookouts, there's barbecues, there's things like that. It's like, wow, what a loving community we have, right? So if you're out of habit of, of connecting with others, jump back in because it's so much more life-giving than you realize and God wants to pour out his spirit on you. And that leads us to our, to our close where if we demonstrate this love for God, and for others with intention, that's our greatest witness. That's going to be our greatest witness to the world around. And like, I want what they have. I see how well those people, that group, love each other. And I want to be a part of that. And that's such a great opportunity. In Acts, it talks about they continue to meet together in the temple courts. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. So there was power in the love. There was power in the meeting together. It wasn't necessarily just going out, but coming together had power. So let's close in prayer. Lord, we come before you today. We thank you that this word, uh, it, it, it was quick, but full of, full of all kinds of nuggets. Lord, I pray that you would pour out your spirit on our hearts right now to shed your love abroad on us and, and to transform us by your love. God, we thank you that, that you are our example. And for us to do all of the law and all of the things that, that are, you know, principle living, we have to do the love well, to love you and to love others well. Because in so doing, we're, we're, we're being just like you. And that shines the light to those around us. Um, I want to take a moment before we, uh, before we invite the prayer teams down. If there's any of you in here that... Uh, well, actually, no. I'm going to invite the prayer teams down front right now. If this word was for you and you just really feel like you want to take it a step further, like, yeah, I haven't been feeling the love lately. I want an encounter with the Lord. I want to do better with this. I want to be humble. Then come on down front. We're going to pray with you. And I'm going to lead us in a song uh, of worship. And Mark, if you wouldn't mind, maybe, you know, bringing some, bringing some wisdom as well as we close. But why don't we stand to our feet? If, you're, if you don't need prayer, let's just worship and allow the Holy Spirit to touch our hearts with His love. Amen? I'm looking out at people I haven't seen for a long time. 
looking out at people I haven't seen for a long time. And on the way to church, I prayed that Paul would be here today. I prayed in the morning. I prayed last night. I said, God, draw them back. Because, you know, you come here and you occupy a chair and you think, I'm occupying a chair. Do you know that when you're not here, we miss you? Truly miss you. Really do. It's not the same when you're not here. Yeah, you can say, oh, no, no, that's, he's just making that up. No, it's not. It's not the same when you're not here. You make a difference. You bring joy to other people's hearts because they see you. And I, <clears throat> I'm committed to leadership through influence, not through positional authority. So I really, really hesitate to even say these things to you because it can be manipulation. But it isn't manipulation if it's motivated by love. If it's motivated by love, it's not manipulation, it's concern. So good to see you again, Mary. So good to see you again. After all you've been through, and you find your way back into the presence of God, which you need and thrive on. and It's just just great so I think the Lord says welcome back no conditions no manipulation just welcome back but please keep coming because it's just so good to see you guys and the whole connect group thing on during the week uh, for some reason we don't do well <clears throat> having six days between the last fix do you know that we're designed to be addicts? The human soul is designed to be an addict. It will be addicted to something. Somebody once told me, insulted me by saying, you're addicted to God. I said, yes. Thank God I'm addicted to God. I keep coming back to him. But seven days is too long to go without a fix. You need your presence moment. You need to be with your brothers and sisters. You need to be loved. And you need to love. We need love and we need to learn to love. And being around your brothers and sisters, that's the opportunity. So, yeah. Take over. No, I was just going to say really quick on that. There's an old TV show, and people used to think it was weird that I really liked it, but that was Cheers. Right? And the reason I liked it was it wasn't because it was a bar and people were going in there to drink. They were going in there to be a part of a community. And that was their community. And that's what Connect Group is. As people come to the Connect I just love, Connect Group is like my favorite night of the week because we get together and it's people that care for one another. Literally, I mean, I see these people reaching out. I don't ask them to reach out as a Connect Group leader. They just reach out and help the others in the group because they care. And we all want to be a part of a group that cares, right? So I just, Connect Group is so important. <laughs> the bar where everyone knows your name. And at Connect Group, the drinks are free. Mostly water, but it's free. <clears throat> so look, if this, if this message is struck home, you, you need love or you want to be better at loving and you want some Holy Spirit help to do that, which we all absolutely need 
why don't you come forward and we'll lay hands on you and pray for you and pray for more of God in your life, his love flowing to you and flowing through you. And maybe you'll get a, a welcome back hug or something. That, that couldn't hurt. All right? So if you need prayer for anything, come on forward. We'll pray for you now. Okay. Why don't we just sing a song together? I love you, Lord. Oh, your mercy never fails me. All my days I've been held in your hands. From the moment that I wake up until I lay my head, oh, I will sing of the goodness of God. All my life. All my life you have been faithful. So, so good With every breath that I am able I will sing of the goodness of God Love your voice You have led me through the fire In darkest nights You are close like no other you as a father, know you as a friend, and I have been in the goodness of God. All my life, all my life, you have been faithful. All my life, you have been so, so good with every breath that I. Your goodness, your goodness is running after, it's running after me. Your goodness is running after, it's running after me. With my life laid down, surrendered now, I give you everything. Your goodness is running after, it's running after me. All my life, all my life, you have been faithful. All my life, you have been so, so good. With every breath that I am able, I will sing the goodness of God. I will sing. The goodness of God. If you need prayer, come on down. Otherwise, God bless you. Thank you for joining us today.